OTAs is a time to get right, and Chris Jones needs a new deal. Today with Matt Derrick on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. Uh, Chiefs king around the world. Uh, you fans of the World Series of Poker, I know that you're watching as well. Hope you're doing well. We're going to have a great conversation today because Chris Jones sees a new contract and we need to hear about what's going on at OTAs. And we have our guy on the field, Matt Derrick, is with us from ChiefsDigest.com. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are here every day of the week on every platform, starting with YouTube and every audio platform you can think of. So like, sub, and hit the bell and get with us. And then make your next listen another Locked On show. Maybe for one of your competitors, maybe for that team you love to hate. You can go find out more about them right here on the network. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, and RGR Football. Matt, you are back in the saddle, OTAs underway. Big thing is there's not a whole lot of news coming out of it, right? So as you get to watch the players on the field, what stands out to you? Yeah, you know what? I mean, the overwhelming thing that stood out to me during the first week of OTAs was just how much business as usual it was. Um, you know, you're seeing the rookies work in, um, wasn't really a situation where you're saying, oh, hey, here's, here's so-and-so is in, in a starting position. I mean, no, the, the, the rookies are working their way into the rotation, as you would expect. Um, did look like, um, you know, Felix was doing a lot more this week than he did during uh, the rookie mini camp. So that's a good step forward. Um, I, you know, he didn't look terribly limited to me during the first day. So, um, and that was the first week. I mean, you know, they've got three practices that last week under their belt. So, you know, it's kind of getting everybody acclimated. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, I think it was just how routine it was, was pretty surprising to me. I mean, we've, we've been talking about all the changes and new faces and new places and tweaks here and there and some new coaches. And the reality of it is, is that it looked just like exactly every other Chiefs OTA practice in past years. Patrick Mahomes is out there. He's slinging it. He looks in Patrick Mahomes form. Uh, Travis Kelsey, same way. I mean, everything looks the, the same. I mean, it's a passing camp. So really hard to take away a lot of impressions from the defense. But um, you know, the, the faces that are out there, exactly who you would expect. I mean, other than, you know, you did, you did see Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie weren't working. Um, so that meant a lot more work for Josh Williams, Jalen Watson and Nick Jones that Nick Jones as a, as a nickel guy is probably on my radar as things to watch. Mm. Um, because he seems to be getting a really in-depth look as kind of a, a slot nickel corner. And if Snead and McDuffie are going to, you know, stay on the outside when they're in there, you know, he might be a candidate for that job. So I'm really intrigued. I mean, that's something to, something to watch. Um, and, you know, and even though, you know, it's there's no pads, nothing like that. It's not full 100 percent speed. Um, there's going to be some auditions for the kick return specialist. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Isaiah Pacheco is not out there right now. But honestly, I, I would expect the Chiefs to take that job off his off his shoulders in year two yeah. as a kick returner because he's going to be their starting running back. So, you know, I, I think that both the kick return and punt return jobs are up for grabs. And there are a lot of guys, you know, throwing their hats in for both those positions. Well, I think that's a big plus. I, I think that's got to make Dave Tobe happy to have some options. That Clearly, I think that's probably the, the phase of the game that can stand the most improvement this year. But go back for just a second. Nick Jones as a nickel. Where do we see uh, Shamari Connor lining up? Is that an option for him too? Or is it still ambiguous, you know, DB type play? 
Yeah, I mean, Connor was 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 working with the safeties and was really more in that role. Um, you know, where he was working was was a lot more just straight safety play. They didn't really have him lining up uh, in some of those those positions. I mean, mostly what he was either working in was on the back end or in the box. But remember, like I said, this is a passing camp, so a lot of times it is it's it's either nickel and dime coverages. So um, they play a lot of three corners for the most part whenever there were five defensive backs on the field. So. Um, really, any of the times that you saw a third safety uh, out back there, I mean, that was that was the way it was. And it was if they were in dime, that's the only time you really saw a third safety out there. So, uh, you know, at this point, you know, this particular coverage is that's what we're seeing is a little bit more of Nick Jones. But um, Connor looks at this point like they're really viewing him more as I would I would say a backup to the primary guys, and really rather maybe maybe than a specific role for him yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Still feeling out. Like I expected that could change this week. That makes perfect sense. Experimentation is something that we look to see here, especially in the early phase uh, here of OTAs. One thing I'm not sure about experimentation is the offensive line. Um, I don't, I don't know if we can divulge who lined up where, but let me just ask you this. Was it consistent uh, first team to second, et cetera? Well, we can tell you what Andy Reid said, and and Andy Andy Reid said, "Hey, Donovan Smith is your left tackle when when he has not been there, and, and it made an allusion to that, that Donovan Smith wasn't there for maybe the first couple of or one of the first OTA practices." He also could have been referring to just the second phase of OTAs when the guys were still getting in and maybe Donovan wasn't, you know, fully up to speed. But he did make reference to Lucas Niang working at the right and at that point, Juwan Taylor spending some time at left. Um, but I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, based on what you heard from Andy Reid last week and Donovan Smith, it's at face value. Donovan Smith is starting left tackle. Juwan Taylor is the starting right tackle. Lucas Niang right now is a swing guy. If he comes in, he's probably coming in at right, and Juwan Taylor flips over to left. I mean, uh, that's what the Chiefs are telling us, and and I think you can, without violating the reporting rules that the Chiefs put down, I can tell locked on Chiefs. uh, Yeah, I take that to the bank. That's the the Chiefs are the Chiefs are giving you the straight dope right there. Andy Reid's telling you straight. We we appreciate that. First confirmation here on Locked on Chiefs. Thanks to Matt Derrick. Uh, make sure you go to Chiefs Digest for all of his actual written language that you can check also against the rules of, of knowledge uh, from the actual activities. A lot that goes on there. I want to talk about what happens next. And we, we, a lot of hubbub. We'll get your thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins here after the break. Uh, but also what that means. Bigger ace in the hole that the Chiefs have to have and have to get something done with the Chris Jones contract. Coming up right after this. I know you're like me and looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories that you don't need. There's one thing that you can try right now, and that's the best tasting protein bar ever, and it's from Built. you got to try these. I know that you might want something healthier just like I do, but you don't want to compromise on taste either, and that's a big deal, especially when you're trying to get through your day. These bars are healthy, and they're amazing tasting. They go easy with anything that you're on the go, whether it's having it with your coffee in the morning, uh, a midnight snack, maybe even fulfilling your your lunch obligations you can't take care of. They're super simple. They're all covered in 100% dark chocolate. They have crazy flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream. I like the toffee almond myself. You can usually see me down in one of those. They're unbelievable, and they help it all come together with all their macros. They're super simple in everything but taste. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar and 17 grams of protein. They're everything that you want. They are Built Bars. You can get them at Sam's Club. You can get them online. Right now, go check them out at Built.com. 
Also, on uh, th- this day, when you might be checking out Bill Bar, you can check out the actual reports of transactions. Because one thing in particular happened on Tuesday, and that is the official release of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he's taken an agent, and that changes things from the way he's, he's done business before. Um, on his part, I think that's actually pretty smart. It tells me also that it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge to get a deal worked out. I don't know that the Chiefs are 100% interested. I know they were interested before. The, the player is of value, and I think – what we need to remember is that Andy Reid and Brett Veach seem to have a, a continual and consistent message that anytime there is an ability to upgrade the roster at any given position, no matter what it is, they're going to give it a hard look. That still qualifies for me for DeAndre Hopkins. And we haven't heard from you since the news came out, but where do you stand? Do you think that's worth pursuing? Is, is it fool's errand at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth pursuing, and I think that the Chiefs will pursue it. Uh, like you said, you know, they did pursue it when he was a member of the Arizona Cardinals, and by all accounts, the holdup was the money. You know, now things have changed because he is no longer with Arizona Cardinals, and it's no longer a situation of of of, De, of DeAndre Hopkins being owed this money and needing to fit it in with a new club. That contract is gone. So, you know, that money is gone. So some of it was guaranteed. He's going to get paid that. I haven't heard about and, and seen any reference to offsets about if there's anything that, you know, would require him to, you know, if, if, if he signs a contract with another team, if that's going to apply towards some of the money that Arizona has already owes him. Those situations, you know, it really doesn't encourage a player to sign a minimum deal because he's going to be essentially paying for free depending on what the contract offsets are. So that's going to play a factor into it too, about how much he has. But that was the holdup all along, was that DeAndre Hopkins wanted a certain amount of money and Chiefs weren't going to be able to make that work. Now, on a fresh contract, yeah, you can do some things. But you know, to me, and I've said this from the very beginning of the entire process, and I'll stick with it. If DeAndre Hopkins is ring shopping, he's going to probably end up Kansas City Chief because that's the best place that he can go um, it's going to fit him. Offense is great. It's the best quarterback. Team's coming off of Super Bowl. Everything is there. The, all the pieces are there. Um, if that's not the most, pri- you know, the biggest priority for him, if money is the bigger priority than ring shopping, he's going to go somewhere else because Chiefs don't have any money um, right now. They've got less than two million dollars in cap space. Um, according to NFLPA public salary cap report. And, you know, and if you're talking about him wanting a deal comparable to like Odell Beckham Jr., that was 15 million for Odell for one year. And, you know, they're going to be paying four more years of voided, con- <laughs> voided contract years after that. That's not the chief style. They don't like nope. to do that. So I, I, I still think it comes back to that. If DeAndre Hopkins wants to be in Kansas city, he's going to be in Kansas city. If he wants money, He's not going to be in Kansas City. And that all comes back down to how do they get that space for that money? And everyone is going to tell you that, uh, you know, you can squeeze it. However, there are options. Uh, You could go back to Kelsey. You could go back to Joe Tooney. You could try to recoup something there. You could cut or trade a player uh, to try to gain some of that cap. There are two options, and we're going to talk about Chris Jones at length and why, but he seems to be – Plan one, that we know that they want to extend him. We know that he wants to be in Kansas City. I feel like LeJarrius Need is, is a, a, a 1B because you can't recoup as much. Even by extending him to a base salary, you're only making back about 1.5. That's not going to get it done for DeAndre Hopkins if that's your goal. It could be a part of the process along the way. But really, it all hinges on if they're serious about adding another weapon, be it 
D Hop or anyone else. They got to get Chris done. That that seems to be A and B. There's no way around that. Am I wrong? No, you're not. And you know, and again, I mean, this isn't necessarily the number one priority for the Chiefs, but if they are interested in D Hop and connecting that to Chris Jones, you want to get D Hop done before you do Chris Jones. Because if the Chiefs were to get a, an extension done with Chris Jones and free up a bunch of cap space, well, now DeAndre Hopkins is able to say, hey, you got $13 million in cap space. You can give it all to me. <laughs> I mean, man. there's an advantage to working sometimes a contract when you don't have any money because that is leverage for a free agent. When you can tell them, when you plead poverty, you can legitimately do that. If the Chiefs get Chris Jones done next, I mean, now you have a little bit less leverage with D-Hop on a more affordable contract. So, like I said, it's not a huge factor, but that is a factor. Now, you know, but when you get back to, to Jones in particular, you're right. I mean, that's that's where the most money that the Chiefs could free up for any number of things. I mean, one, the Chiefs are going to free up space because right now they don't have enough money to go into the season to be prepared for uh, injuries, anything else. Remember, right now, only the top 51 contracts are being counted. So you're not talking about having 53 players, a 16-player practice squad, some guys on IR. You need 5 to $10 million for that. And where did the Chiefs get that? I mean, it's Chris Jones. So that's the one factor to me that from the Chiefs side of things that tells you that they absolutely are planning on getting Chris Jones done. It's just, how's it going to look? And that's, I think, a pretty interesting topic in and of itself. It's really interesting that you that you framed it that way in the negotiating stance that you're allowed to take when you don't have the cap space. I saw it as a as a two sides of a coin. It's either yes or no, and I took it as we have so little that we would just be out of the running. There there'd be no way that we can make a serious offer with how little cap space we have. But you have you have an interesting way of putting that because creativity is not something that this this front office is scared of. Um, 177 and Brantillas go hand in hand. I can, I can remember that far, but it does feel like it has to be kind of set up to, to be dominoes that fall in order to get it all done. Does it not? Or, or do you think you, they could actually perform a contract of some kind right now incentive laden or whatever with DeAndre Hopkins without Chris being close? Well, and that's one of the tricky things with as little space as they have now. I mean, there's not a whole lot of margin for error. But what they could do versus like, and I point to OBJ because I think that's a pretty apt comparison in that deal. You know, if the Chiefs wanted to do something like that and 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 D Hop was like saying, hey, I need 15 million for year one. I mean, Chiefs really one don't like to do those kinds of deals where they're then kicking the money in the in the case of OBJ, like I said, I mean, he's gonna have like a $2.7 million cap hit for each of the next four seasons after this one, just to fit that 15 in for this year. I mean, that's what the Chiefs don't like to do. I mean, they don't, they don't want to be paying for D-Hop in 2028 for right. this season. Um, so, you know, that's you don't want to get into that situation. But like I said, I mean, right now, the Chiefs are able to, to plead poverty with them so that if they can say, hey, the best we can do for you is 7.5 and we'll spread it out over a couple of seasons, they could make that work. Whereas... You know, if they got Chris Jones done and now they got a bunch of cap space, well, now, you know, you can't you can't try and convince D-Hop, hey, 7.5 is a better deal when he's going to say, you got enough cap space to give me 15. Give me the 15. That makes a lot of sense. And I think there's an argument for them to make that, hey, we're going to have to pay Chris. You're going to have to hold on. You're going to have to make a deal with us. I'm going to outline why I think that's the situation the Chiefs are in. We'll see if Matt wants to poke holes in all my theories here right after this. 
Now, folks, all week long, we're going to be continuing our, our process in the next week as well. So don't miss it. We're here five days a week. You can get subbed on uh, YouTube as well as all the audio platforms. We appreciate that. If you do, go make sure that you check out Chiefs Digest as well, because you can find all the real information that Matt starts from there. But I'm going to ask it this way, Matt, because if you are trying to, to, to have a dual negotiation here, part of it is the problem is that Chris Jones has an argument that he should be the highest paid defensive tackle in this league. It's not it's not as cut and dry. I still think see things in the media this week trying to say that he shouldn't be. But I've run all my algorithms, and I want to bounce a few things off of you statistically that I think really prove that this is just uh, how hard a spot the Chiefs are in. Now, I run a master production matrix against all the stats per snap. So you don't have to differentiate that Aaron Donald uh, only had 40 pressures versus it because of games played, et cetera, et cetera. We can compare apples to apples through the list. And Aaron Donald on my overall matrix comes out at number seven. Guess who's number one? That happens to be Chris Chris Jones. Jones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we're starting from a bad position for the Chiefs negotiating right there. And that Chris Jones can maybe draw this out and and push for that. And maybe that helps them with hop or whatever happens to to happen. I I can see that there's multiple balls in the air that we're juggling here for Brett Veach. Um, Kudos to him. It's it's a tall order. But when you look at a contract that just got done, um, Dexter Lawrence comes in at number six overall. This is a combination and an algorithm, folks, that I've built off of not just Sacks produced. Uh, Chris had a ton. Chris led defensive tackles in 97 pressures last season. That's the more important stat for me because that fills opportunity. Now, there's only a couple of players that actually produced any more pressure, and they're all edges. Uh, I can list those guys for you real quick. They come down to a couple of names you all might recognize. Uh, one, Micah Parsons, a guy named Nick Bosa, and then Chris Jones. So, like Matt, if you're in this negotiation, is the amount of pressure – the number one thing that you're pointing to for either side, or is it something that you want to set aside? I mean, I think if I'm Chris Jones, yes. If I'm that side, if I'm his agents, I'm out of the Cats brothers, I'm absolutely going to the numbers because those are his best argument. And and I think that you can even dive into the numbers a little bit more and even just specifically taking the Chiefs into it. You know, look at the last couple of years. When has the Chiefs defense been its best? It's been its best when Chris Jones has been healthy and on the field and playing. You know, last year in 2021 was arguably Chris Jones's roughest season. I mean, statistically wasn't his best season. He was injured. He was banged up. And Chiefs don't go to a Super Bowl. It's their worst season in the last five years, essentially. And it was Chris Jones's worst season in the last five years. So goes Chris Jones, so go the Chiefs. And absolutely, I mean, the pressures, the numbers, everything that that points to Chris Jones and says that he's number one, if I'm Chris's agent and I'm his camp, that's exactly the kind of numbers I'm telling Brad Veach, saying this is the guy that you're getting. If I'm Brad Veach, I'm saying, guess what? Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, those guys are 26 years old. You know, they don't have the injury history. They don't have, you know, they haven't had a back issues. They haven't had some things popping up. They don't have the wrist. They, they haven't had the, you know, the, 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 the groins and the hammies popping up here and there. You know, they're going to be, hey, Chris Jones is going to be 30 years old. So we're talking about year, the 30 years rather than the 20, late 20s. And that's what Chiefs are going to say. So, you know, there's, there's going to be the buddy. I don't see how, and, I, and honestly, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of disagreement right now between these two sides. Because even mm-hmm. though no one's negotiating publicly, the, the vibe that we're getting from both sides is that everyone's comfortable making Chris Jones the second highest paid defensive tackle 
on average behind Aaron Donald. It doesn't appear that Chris Jones is trying to, to push for Aaron Donald money and the, the Chiefs are, are very comfortable not giving him Aaron Donald money. Question is, once again, and it's what happened with Tyreek Hill last year, if another contract changes the market, and so far, none of the deals this year have. I mean, none of things, nothing that got done this year, Jason Hargrave, I mean, none of the other deals that got done really changed the defensive tackle market and restructured it. It's still there. But there's a couple of guys, Quinn and Williams. I mean, there are some players out there that if suddenly they got outside the market contract extensions that nobody's expecting right now, nobody's projecting, mm -hmm. then suddenly Chris Jones may come back and say, well, you know what? Some, this guy's making 28.5 and I'm better than him. So, you know, we need to get a little closer to Aaron's money. Well, that, that's the thing that I think when it all boils down, it becomes the most problematic because Chris has the highest win rate of any of these defensive tackles outclassing Aaron Donald. That That's not a positive for what the Chiefs are trying to get done. But he also has a much better fall off from win rate to pressure rate in the volume that he doesn't fall off. There, there are other tackles that honestly uh, are a lot tighter. Hargrave being one that's uh, about a 5% fall off. Chris is six. It's It's 9% for Aaron Donald. The finish rate is the one that's really intriguing because Chris and Donald are, are up there, but they're not the top. So that's what I'm arguing is that like Cam Hayward, uh, Quinn and Williams up at 25% of his pressures end in the sack. Chris is in here at 17.7. Those are all part of the algorithm. But as it all goes through, he still ends up on the top. And so I think you have to hunt and peck for what you want to make your argument around. But if they're that close on the sides, is there any stat that really drives – any kind of wedge, or is this just about a little bit of back and forth to find what that final number is going to be? I mean, I, I think it's the, the the Chris Jones contract, I think is going to come down more to structure than it is anything else. I don't think that the Chiefs and Chris Jones are going to be terribly far apart in money. It's just that like the, the Aaron Donald contract is not something that the Chiefs are terribly comfortable with i mean you know they have not typically been a high signing bonus upfront team they like to structure their contracts a little bit differently because it gives them flexibility um aaron Donald's contract doesn't have a whole lot of flexibility i mean the rams gave him i think 45 million in the signing bonus up front so that right there i mean that's that's 45 million you cannot move i mean it is in place spread out over the, those five years there is nothing you can do to move a dollar of that money. Chiefs have traditionally preferred, you know, having either the, the roster bonuses or, you know, the base salaries and using those to be able to move some money around. The sign, the sign, the roster, the roster bonuses are really the easiest way. And that's been the, the Chiefs preferred way to be able to move money around. It gives them the flexibility. Um, now, the guarantees are what can be different about that. And, you know, once again, I mean, guarantees get into it a little bit, too, because, you know, even guaranteed money, you got to put into escrow. So that requires a little bit of upfront chunkage from the, from the ownership to be able to put into these contracts too. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why like Patrick Mahomes' contract is structured the way it is. It has guarantees, but they're rolling. So it's not like that Clark Hunt has to put $250 million into an escrow account. Like some of these teams are having to, going to have to do. Mm -hmm. It's a lower amount for a longer period of time. There's a lot. I mean, that's I, I Chris Jones, I think, is going to end up getting money that's going to make him the second highest paid defensive tackle. I don't think he's going to have a contract that looks anything like Aaron Donald. It probably won't look like any of the other guys. I mean, it's going to be a Chiefs contract. And it's just a matter of figuring out that way to make sure that Chris gets the money he wants now. 
And that I think is, that's really the bigger thing for the players now is how much money do I get day one? And how much am I guaranteed day one? That's why, you know, hey, Aaron Donald's contract really kind of sets the market because of the huge signing bonus and everything like that. And there were some other guarantees, obviously, because there were some other uh, base salary guarantees and bonus guarantees down the road. I mean, the Chiefs may end up doing that with Chris, Chris too, and giving him the same type of guarantees. But it's that chunk on day one that I think will probably be negotiated. And it's going to be lower than what Aaron Donald got. I have to think that it is. Last question for you, though, is what's the timing? Gut instinct, where they are now today, when do you think this gets done? Is it is it in the near future, or is this the day before camp kind of thing like we've seen in the past? Yeah, I, I think it's more of a just before camp kind of thing. Um, we say in this biz, deadlines make deals, and the reality is there's no deadline. I mean, technically speaking, Chris is under contract, so I mean – if he wants to be paid this year, he's got to show up this year. Um, it's not a holdout type of situation. I mean, he's, he would have to, he would have to show up. Um, so, but I, I, basically training camp is the arbitrary deadline. And you know what, Chris is Chris's deal last time, which was a different deal because that was the franchise tag. It got done July 15th, just before the beginning of camp. I think it's the same ballpark. I mean, it would not surprise me if, you know, maybe there's a few little details that ended up taking it into late July, even early August. I mean, that would not be the the, the scariest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens. But I, I would still say I'll circle July 20th as my arbitrary prediction deadline <laughs> over under. Um, but if it took longer than that, uh, nothing into early August scares me. All right, you heard it here first, folks. Let's let's mark our calendars and see what happens, Matt. Thanks for spending the time with us. We appreciate it. Everybody go to chiefsdigest.com and check out Matt's work. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Take care, everybody. You guys have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.